It's Dave Aldridge here, doing something different with the podcast from now. I think I'm managing about three a week, and it's Wednesday today. On Wednesday is when I'm going to be rolling on random tables. And this is one I promised to Joe Richter a couple of episodes ago. Hope you enjoy it, Joe. Hello, listeners. I'm Dave Aldridge, and this is Deeper Centile, a podcast that's so serious about rolling on random tables that I purchased a $4 multi-use sound effect to prove it. Much of the show's pretty low energy and waltz and all, so this is the obligatory high-energy part where I remind you to find the podcast on Anchor and leave a voice message. It's really easy, and you'll likely thereby become part of the show. There are other ways to engage with me in the podcast description, and I'd really like to hear suggestions of your favourite random tables or other comments on what I'm doing. Q Potentus Dungeon Door. At some point in the 21st century, Mongoose got hold of the licenses from Rebellion, at least to Strontium Dog and Judge Dredd. There may have been other 2000 AD properties they got hold of, but I've got the Strontium Dog core rules here from 2009. Uh, there are a few supplements for each, but I, I didn't get many of those. Uh, designed to be used with the Mongoose Traveller system. So each of those books, uh, a significant proportion of it is, is an alternative set of career terms and some, some alternative elements of, of character creation. But basically they follow that Mongoose Traveller process of the four-year defined term and rolling to see what happens within it. Judge Dredd is more tightly bound to the various tours of duty or the various um, training experiences that, that the characters undergone in their preparation to become the, the kind of judge that they are. And there's a whole extra element in Strontium Dog that I'm going to play around with today to randomly determine the character's mutation. The core concept of Strontium Dog, the main characters were these Strontium Dogs um, that was a pejorative term for them. They were actually search and destroy agents. Um, they were they were mutants, uh, hence the strontium element. They, after a war, mutants were no longer allowed to to do uh, any of the other jobs in society. So they were they were given licenses to become bounty hunters. These search and destroy agents. Um, and they were considered the lowest of the low by non-mutants. Um, and, you know, they undertook these dangerous missions uh, across the stars. It was future, but it was also sort of intergalactic. Space travel elements, um, space travel, time travel, interdimensional travel, you name it. And one of the things I really liked about these mongoose conversions was that to me they really capture the humour of, uh, of both of the properties really, Judge Dredd and Strontium Dog. They both had lots of gritty elements and really gritty hard storylines but then some quite absurd comedic elements. I think the mix is a peculiarly British mix. Um, but in Judge Dredd the various fads that people get involved in, there are various kind of... Um, because uh, robots and automation have largely meant that people don't need to work anymore. Um, people amuse themselves with all sorts of ludicrous leisure pursuits. Um, 
the big sprawling blocks that people live in where they they're constantly having kind of block wars and 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 going crazy with the nature of uh, future life um all have sort of interesting names with comedic resonances so there'd be a block war in charlton heston block or something like that um, and in strontium dog which is yeah generally quite gritty it had these absurd comedy elements there's one character recurring character another strontium dog called middenface mcnulty um, who always spoke with a with a with a ludicrous ludicrous scottish accent uh, it was completely played for laughs um, and i think the the books did a good job of of capturing that very british gonzo element it's something which a lot of the conversions haven't quite captured certainly the cinematic conversions although the dread movie with carl urban is a very nice movie very gritty um it was played absolutely with a straight face and that to me is a, a, a real waste of what you, you you could have done with judge dread and then on the other hand the stallone one well it tried for comedy but it wasn't really very i don't think it really understood the kind of deadpan british way that a lot of the a lot of the stuff was meant to be interpreted and delivered but anyway enough of that i'm also not going to say very much about the new 2000 ad game i did very enthusiastically back the kickstarter i'm i'm, I'm sort of surprised with how it came out because i was excited at the team that they'd got together as well but my quick summary of that of that version of well it's judge dread but it's also intended I think to to you know the series will cover other elements of the franchise. Just the game read to me very much like some of those early nineties, mid nineties games that I got hold of, early editions of Shadowrun. I'm thinking, which got very fiddly. They also had all sorts of different bits of rules going on and miniatures and things like that, and they weren't really very particularly coherent. And I'm just I haven't played it yet. I've got the I've got the book from the Kickstarter and it just to me it just seems a little bit fiddly and not the most modern um, of conversions in terms of game design. Uh, beautiful looking books, lovely sort of full colour. I actually quite like the, the mongoose ones that I've got are all black and white and you know a lot of my a lot of the collections, a lot of it is collections, the older stuff, I wasn't collecting it at the time, so I've got these collected volumes of Judge Dread and Strontium Dog, and they're all in black and white. And the mongoose stuff seems just more sensitive to that presentation as well. I'm going to get started quite soon. One thing I would say, though, in terms of capturing the humour, um, GMs are sometimes concerned about the, I don't know, not so much the out-of-character chat, but the some of the bizarre ideas that characters have that might take sessions in a sort of strange direction and actually I think 2000 AD the style of 2000 AD is quite receptive to those this is a game if you're running it where you know characters have one of these bizarre ideas a, a word play on somebody's name or a, just a just a, you know wouldn't it be funny if this had happened and actually those are those are the kinds of directions in which 2000 AD strips often go so it's sometimes worth just listening to your players there and running with with those crazy suggestions and I've played I've played Strontium Dog and Judge Dread in this system a little bit and really really enjoy GMing it I've got a particular I, re I really um, I feel an affinity 
towards that particular kind of of humour. Um, but you can still get some really gritty, really serious storylines out. All right, so I'm going to get rolling. So to summarise, this is a a space travelling bounty hunter game, although the space travel itself is a particular feature. There are spaceships, you know, largely for getting from one planet to another. Um, but you really could, you could play this game in a very episodic way. You know, here's your bounty, here's your planet, off you go. Um, characters will be strontium dogs. You're going to be a, a, a mutant, which means you've been warped by a radioactive fallout, in particular the strontium-90 isotope, and you are hatefully shunned by society uh, but to compensate for that you'll have a pretty gritty package of uh, of search and destroy skills so I'm going to roll my characteristics I've got to roll strength dexterity endurance intelligence uh, and influence um, all of that is like uh, just like the core traveler rules you roll a, a minus two for education because you won't have had access as a mutant you won't have had access to the same educational opportunities your social standing will be automatically zero sorry I said influence was rolled like um, in mongoose influence is a new trait in strontium dog because your social standing is automatically zero as a mutant you have no social standing to make up for that and because you're a bounty hunter and you're mean you have an influence score which stands in for a lot of the things that social standing would have would have done um, in your in your stare downs if you're trying to get people to comply with your wishes um, then influence is what you would use instead of social standing rolling then 2d6 for these rolling for strength nine not bad uh, that is enough to give me a plus one modifier, in fact. Dexterity, seven, not bad, right in the middle. Endurance, three, oh dear. Uh, that is low enough to give me a minus two. Uh, if I'm lucky, the mutations might address that. Intelligence, ten, very intelligent capture. Actually, this is reminiscent of the... Traveller character that I rolled up in my first episode, low endurance, high intelligence. Ten is enough to give a plus one. Influence, six, right in the middle. Education with a minus two. Oh dear, I've rolled three with a minus two. Education is one, which will be a minus two modifier. Uh, this is not going to be a particularly bright character, actually. Oh no, actually, high intelligence, low education. <laughs> Not going to be a particularly well-educated character. Again, very reminiscent of Cherry Gas, the traveller character I rolled. Don't know why I rolled that. I've done all the attributes, social standing I don't roll for. So, yeah, strength 9, tough, dexterity 7, average, endurance 3. That's a minus 2 modifier overall. That's very low. Intelligence 10, plus 1. Influence 6, right in the middle. Education, I rolled a 3. Minus 2 gives me a score of 1 which would be a minus two modifier. These modifiers are modifiers to your uh, to your skill rolls. The next thing I do is roll for the severity of my mutation. This is a 2d6 roll. Uh, with it being more severe, the lower the roll is. If I roll two, then, then the mutation is described as shambolic. 
Definition looks more like a demon than human, maybe exceedingly large, possessed of strange mental or physical abilities. If I roll 11 or 12, this is light. A subtle mutation, six fingers perhaps, or taller or fatter or thinner than the norm, or a mutation that can be easily concealed. So I have rolled six. Okay, that is slap bang in the middle. This is a radical mutation. The description says a bizarre mutation, such as more than the expected number of limbs or facial features, scaled skin perhaps, or wings instead of arms. I record that radical. The extent modifier is a plus two. This is applied to the role to determine the physical extent of the mutation that's coming up, the number of areas of the body affected, and then the characteristic adjustment will be plus or minus D3 plus one. So normally if you have a physical mutation, you increase one attribute, you decrease the other. I think it's your choice which you do. Uh, so that maybe might help me out with my low endurance. We'll see how that goes. I'm a little disappointed. I hoped I, I, I'd hoped I would roll something a bit more shambolic, so I got more opportunities to roll on the tables. But uh, let's roll for number of areas affected. I'm rolling two d6, and I'm adding two on that table. It goes up to sixteen. Number of areas affected. I've rolled seven, so that's nine. Okay, it's d3 plus one areas. Let's uh, roll my d3. Okay, that's two. So that's three areas overall. And then there's a D66 table for which areas are affected. Yeah, I presume I've got to increase and decrease the characteristics for each of those three areas. That's quite interesting. Right, let's see what they are. So the first one is 66. That is upper arm. There's an upper arm mutation, and then you roll d6 to see which it is. That is the left upper arm. Um, let's go again. 41. That is entire head. A head. Upper arm, entire head. One more. 43. Knee. Uh, and then we roll... Uh, four, that is the right knee, left upper arm, right knee and head is the location of my mutations. All right, part of the guidance is that you don't necessarily need to roll for each affected area. You could roll for the first area and then decide to cluster the areas together if you wanted to. Uh, but I enjoy this bit of advice. Uh, bear in mind that in the Strontium Dog stories, some truly, truly bizarre mutations are found, and the random nature of generating mutation is aimed at reflecting the bizarreness of the comic book series. Now, each mutation means that I uh, area means that I need to increase and decrease a relevant trait. But the guidance in the book says before you decide which trait you're going to increase and which trait you're going to decrease, roll for the nature of the mutation. So I'm going to firstly roll for the nature of the mutation of my left upper arm, uh, D66. 66 again. 
disconnected from usual area of body. The affected area is located elsewhere on the body in a truly disturbing fashion. A face and a kneecap, for instance, or a hand growing from a head. The affected area is functional, but depending on its location, may have little utility or unique utility. Roll D66 and consult the area's affected table for where the affected area is to be located. Where is my character's... Uh, by the way, I haven't named my character um, because quite often in Strontium Dog, the name links to uh, the nature of the mutation. So Mid and Face McNulty, his name links to the particular nature of his mutation. Johnny Alpha links to the alpha rays that he can see. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so this character, whoever they are, has a left upper arm growing out of... Uh, his or her shin um, that is very weird let's see which one if that helps uh, the right shin okay doesn't therefore have a left arm has in fact an additional arm growing out of the right shin and so you begin to get a sense of quite how strange uh, the mutations are going to be all right let's roll for the nature of mutation in the head 54 stretched the head is stretched there we go stretched and elongated in length although its width is normal Roll D3 to determine the number of times normal length the area is stretched. I've rolled a 6. So the head is stretched to 3 times length. And then the right knee, let's have a look at that one. 65 is connected to another body part. Uh, roll D66 on the area's affected table again. The first area is connected to the second in some fashion either oh i see so this isn't in the wrong place it's just connected maybe it suggests by it via fronds of skin merged bones conjoined ligaments webbing and so forth right let's see what the right knee is connected to it is connected to the ankle which one uh, the left ankle right knee is connected to the left ankle Okay, so we have created a mutant who has a head stretched to three times the length, who has no left arm, rather an additional arm grows out of the right shin, and then the right knee is connected to the left ankle. Um, there's a bit of me that just wants to join those up and say something like... Um, like the arm that comes out of the the right shin is just kind of holding on to the left ankle. No, I don't really like that. Um, well, this is what you get. So, so as I say, the guidance in the book says that once you've determined one area, say left upper arm, you can you can pick other areas. You could have picked shoulder and lower arm, but we've come up with something truly bizarre. I may attempt to draw this. <laughs> <laughs> maybe put it on my my blog so we can get a sense of what it was looking like um, but we've definitely got something quite tangled I'm gonna have a look at the affected characteristics now to see how this all pans out mechanically 
Oh, there are all sorts of other things I could have um, from rolled for nature of mutation, um, nobbled, feathered, bestial, insectile, stone-like, crystalline. I just seem to have <laughs> mostly rolled strange contortions. So how it works, left upper arm gives you the option of raising and lowering one of dexterity and strength, as does right knee. So it seems to me that my tangled character might be lower on dexterity, so I may as well go higher on strength. I've got to, got to kind of double down on that. It doesn't make sense to say one mutation would... Uh, raise dexterity and lower strength and the other one would lower dexterity and raise strength that sort of cancels out so I'm doubling down and saying that I'm going to twice over subtract d3 plus 1 from dexterity and then twice over add d3 plus 1 to strength so that should give me a character with a very particular niche um, I don't think he can run very fast he or she can run very fast or they're likely to fall over um, but somehow they're going to be stronger than average. So let's roll that. Um, D3 plus 1 twice to subtract from dexterity. So I've got 3 plus 1, 4 from dexterity. My dexterity is 7. Um, and then, oh, luckily, 2. So that's 5 from dexterity. No, 4, 5, 6. Right, dexterity has gone down to 1, which triggers a minus 2. <laughs> but then strength... And go up to don't know if there's a maximum of strength I've got to check the, check the system i can't remember but it's going to go up by four so that's up to 13 and then up by another two 15. just checking in the traveler core rule book it says that 15 which incidentally gives you a plus three bonus to your skill rolls which is awesome 15 is the maximum for an unaugmented human not sure if those rules apply to mutants, really. Um, but also, I'm not sure what happens when you get over 15. But I, I've done pretty well. In terms of strength, this character scores high. Now, head gives you uh, a bonus and a reduction to whichever you choose of influence and intelligence. Well, I'm thinking the long, stretchy, sort of Star Wars, Syrian head is going to give... A bonus to intelligence and a penalty to influence because you're, you're less mean and intimidating if you've got a strange stretchy head. So let's go for the bonus to intelligence which is already high so that's quite nice. Yeah that's 2 plus 1. So intelligence goes up to 13 which will increase the modifier to plus 2. Influence goes down to, yes we're subtracting 3 plus 1. Influence goes down to 2 which will give me a modifier of nine, minus 2. So this bounty hunter does not get his or her way through intimidation, but rather through, well, maybe intimidation if it's based on strength. So is is not taken very seriously if you look or listen to them, um, but is actually very devious and very strong. All right, the next thing is to see, that's all still, although it had a an effect on attributes, that's all... Um, relatively cosmetic, there is a possibility that the mutant will have some very powerful traits. The way this is determined is you roll 2d6 and subtract 8. 
Uh, if you get zero or below, then you get no funky traits. But if you have a positive result, then you get that number of traits. So this is where you kind of, it's very swingy, as befits a good sort of traveller character creation system. But this is where you hold your breath and hope you roll high. Okay, I rolled six. So this character will have no additional mutant traits. So there will be no um, examples of, of what I could have won. Various kind of brain traits, auras, um, not quite psychic, but an aura of, for example, confusion or fear. Um, various kinds of energy senses could have had. Um, evil eye, a kind of mind probe. Frightening intellect, hypnosis, psionics. So that would send you to the Traveller traveler Core rulebook for the psionics. Um, sorcery, Strontium Dog has magic. Um, various kind of head traits, forms of vision, um, breath weapons, spit weapons, enhanced sense of smell, jaws, powerful jaws, various kind of body traits, armour, phases, regenerations, immunities, um, special kind of limb powers, super strength, omni joints, wall walker. This character gets none of that. And we move into training. Okay, now rather than having that kind of game of chicken that you play in Mongoose Traveller where you sort of try and balance the number of terms you want to serve against the diminishing returns, in Strontium Dog you randomly roll the number of terms you're going to serve in character creation. Uh, your character begins at 17 plus 1d6 years of age, so this character is beginning at 22 years of age, and then you roll 2d6 to determine how many terms you're going to serve. I've rolled 7, which triggers 3 terms. So at the end of this, providing the character survives, they are going to be 4, 8, 12, they're going to be 34 years old. Alright, now you don't move through careers for these terms in Strontium Dog because you, what you're doing here is you're going through your Strontium Dog training or your, your experiences as a bounty hunter to date. So the first interesting thing is that for each term you roll randomly to see what kind of survival roll you're going to have to make. Um, I'm going to do this for each of the three terms, I'll do it all at once. Um, so, yeah, you roll a d6. So in term one, the survival roll that I'll have to make is a dexterity roll. Given that my dexterity is one, uh, well, it's only a minus two modifier, but, you know, maybe there'll be a mishap there. In the second term, rolling d6, uh, again, it's going to be a dexterity roll. So I'm assuming what this means is that the you know the the climactic or pivotal point in that particular bounty or set of bounties that was pursued at that time um the climactic points were linked to dexterity were linked to the fact that this character has got a whole uh tangle of legs and arms below the waist uh, and for the third term oh, I've rolled a 2 again Three twos, so it's going to be dexterity all the way, which I'm rolling at a minus two modifier. 
Okay, then then also you roll the risk randomly. So rather than again, rather than this being set by career, um, you can roll d6 to determine the risk level. The kind of this determines the kind of warrants the kind of part of space that you're existing in at that time. It suggests you can choose or roll randomly. Having rolled dexterity, what one might be inclined to do during character creation is choose low risk terms. Uh, but that doesn't really link with the the concept of, of my podcast. So I'm going to roll randomly in each case for risk level, which determines the target number for that deck survival role. Because, hey, if I get mishaps, it may be interesting. I might die during character creation, or it might be interesting. So turn one, risk level is going to be, all oh, five. That's going to be risky, which gives a f uh, seven plus survival target and means that I add a plus one to the warrant type difficulty modifier. Then in the second term it's going to be risky again, 7 plus survival roll, and again I'm adding a plus one to the warrant type difficulty modifier, that's the next table that I roll on. And for the third term, going down slightly to standard, which will be a 6 plus on the survival roll, and an unmodified roll on the warrant type difficulty modifier. So then, the warrant type of my first term, you roll 2d6 and you add the difficulty modifier, so this is a risky survival roll, so I add plus 1, so this is 2d6 plus 1, I've rolled 10 there, plus 1, 11, this is, yeah, so this is the second down from the top, so in my first term as a Strontian dog, I am hunting history of violence fugitives in remote locations. So that is one above history of violence fugitives in easily accessible locations, and it is one below the scum of the universe. That triggers a basic skill package. History of violence fugitives in remote locations gives me... Um, where you get four skills, in each case there's a choice of two. So firstly there's a choice between comms or sensors. I'm not going to choose, I'm going to roll randomly. I get sensors. Then there's a choice between investigate or computers. Again I'm rolling randomly. Low is investigate, high is computers. I rolled a five, so that's computers. Then there's a choice between pilot and drive. I'm taking pilot. Then there's a choice between melee and gun combat. Given the way my character is panning out with the importance of strength, I'm not going to roll for that. I'm going to take melee. So I get sensors, computer, pilot and melee at level zero. The next thing I do... Well, the good thing about rolling history of violence fugitives in remote, lo remote locations is I get three rolls on the, the various skill or other perk tables. Um, so if I'd taken Scum of the Universe, I'd, got, I'd get, got four rolls. If I'd taken a less dangerous type of warrant for that term, I'd have had fewer rolls. And I get to make those rolls before the survival roll, so that's good. Even if I get a mishap, I'm going to get three rolls on those tables. Um, now, 
Let's find the history of violence, fugitives in remote locations. So there's personal development, general service skills, warrant skills and special techniques. Um, you have to roll, if you get three rolls, you have to roll on different tables. So I'm going to roll on all but one of those tables. So I'm just going to roll randomly to see which table I don't roll on. Um, it's going to be the special techniques table. Oh, that's a shame because the special techniques are the really nifty. Those are the extra bits of rules that you get in this rule book. But hey, just for this term, I'm not rolling on that table. So let's roll a d6 on the personal development table. This is the one that is, if you're lucky, affects attributes. Uh, I've rolled a three. I get a plus one to endurance. Hooray, that goes up to four. Doesn't affect my modifier, but is welcome. General service skills. All right, I just checked in the rule book. Yeah, so the first instance of a skill gives you a zero, and then instances above that will give you a level in the skill. So let's roll d6 on there. Six, that is broker. Level zero in the broker skill. Now for warrant skills. Three, gun combat. Okay, so I've got a zero in gun combat as well as my zero in melee. Now the all-important survival roll. This is going to be a dexterity roll. You do your rolls on 2d6, modified by the modifier of the relevant attributes. This can be minus two, and my target is seven or above. Not hopeful. Uh, if you succeed, you get to roll on the events table. If you fail, you roll on the mishap table, which means that it's likely that you won't get your benefit. Um, well, it means it's possible you might not get your benefit. You may well still get your benefit for this term. So let's roll. 2d6 minus 2 against 7. I've rolled 7, so I have failed my survival roll. Hardly surprising. Um, got in over my head. I was hunting fugitives that were way beyond my capacities. Uh, let's roll 2d6 on the mishap table to work out how badly that went. That is 9. You are forced to flee Earth. You may not return there on pain of immediate arrest for the next six years. The closest you can get is the doghouse. Oh, that's interesting. That's actually not a terrible mishap given that I'm rolling additional terms after this. It won't affect me uh, when I come to play the character. Um, I don't automatically forfeit my benefit roll. Okay, so I'm going to record Force to Flee Earth. That just becomes an interesting event in my history. I'm going to roll then on the benefits table for this term. I just had to stop for various reasons. I've come back to the to the podcast a day later, and uh, I was trying to pin down what it was, why I wasn't really connecting with this character, and I re remembered that I hadn't given him. I think it's a he. I hadn't given him a name yet, um, and yeah, he's 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 beginning to take shape now. I've decided that he needs to be called Legs Lacan. So that's combining his bizarre intelligence with his strangely tangled, maybe I think joined together by some kind of webbing or 
um, yeah, some his his webbed legs. I think Legs Lacan, whilst being cunning, is also uh, a bit of a nasty piece of work, and he uses this <laughs> this arm that is sticking out from one of his shins, uh, combined with his bizarre strength, to uh, trick his opponents when they least suspect it to trip them. Uh, and I, yeah, once I'd come up with the name, he's beginning to take shape, and I think I can get more invested in what happens to him in his remaining two career terms. All right, so finishing Legs Lacan's first term, this was history of violence, fugitives in remote locations. This warrant, remember, involved pursuing dangerous fugitives across the galaxy. The risks were high, but the rewards were great well um, the reward wasn't great because he ended up uh, being forced to flee earth for some time all that remains from the first term is to roll on the benefits table cash is boring so i'm going to roll for other benefits a straight d6 five gets a special weapon oh, that's quite good now i think Special weapon here refers to one of the time and dimensional weapons. This is a wonderful element of the Strontium Dog strip. Johnny Alpha seemed always to be able to produce these various time bombs and time traps that would do uh, do things like, you know, trap someone in a recurring moment of time or 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 just throw them forward even a couple of seconds into the future, by which point... Uh, a planet would have moved in its orbit or whatever and they'd be stranded in space. Um, unfortunately, I'm not sure that characters can use these special weapons unless at some point they roll the special weapon skill, which Legs Lacan has not yet rolled. Um, but I'm taking special weapon to refer to that. It's not clear what section of the equipment list special weapons refers to, but certainly the special weapon skill refers to the various time and dimensional weapons. So... That's marvellous. These are very valuable. That's a good item to have rolled. If I'm lucky, I'll also get the skill to use it. Moving on then to the second term. I've got to roll for warrant type. I've got a plus one because I've rolled risky. My survival target stays the same as it was before. 2d6. I've got eight. Plus one is nine. This is the same again. History of violence, fugitives in remote locations, which again gives me three rolls on the relevant tables. I'm going to roll to see then which of the four tables I don't get. Yes, it's one of my warrant skills, if I'm lucky, that I get special weapons. Hey, well, I'm going to make sure if I roll the warrant skills table, I'm going to roll a different one. This is just me. Yeah, okay, so it's personal development I'm not going to roll on. So I'm going to roll on general service skills, warrant skills, and special techniques. If I'm lucky, I'll get special weapons. So firstly, for my general service skill four one two three four that's investigate very useful for a bounty hunter that'd be level zero now for warrant skills i'm looking for a four here as well i get one that's explosives developing a broad range of skills not really specializing yet and then special techniques six that is two weapon use well that's quite cool special technique 
rather self-explanatory. Okay, now rolling for the survival roll. Again, I've got to get seven plus, but I'm at minus two because it's a dexterity roll. And I roll five, that's three, so I fail the survival roll. Let's roll the mishap, 2d6, to see what goes wrong this time. Again, Legs Lacan has uh, overstretched himself. He's in far too dangerous a part of space for his current skill level. But he has been um, uh, forced to flee Earth. He's not allowed to be near Earth. So that might explain why he's still hanging around this dangerous bit of space. Anyway, what's the mishap now? Eight. Travelling to a distant destination in the galaxy, your mid-birth passage ticket turns out to be invalid or a forgery. Halve one cash benefit roll to pay for the passage or travel low birth class and lose one influence. Well, I'm not going to do that. Um, again, not disastrous. I'm going to therefore roll a cash benefit roll and halve it. D6. That's one, that's the least. So that would be 20,000 cash, but it's going to be 10,000 because I've got into trouble. So I've got 10,000 credits there. Um, and I move on to the next term. This is not risky. So this is just a straight unmodified roll on the warrant type. Get back to that table. 2d6 there. I've rolled eight. So this is uh, slightly less dangerous. History of violence, fugitives in easily accessible locations. So Legs Lacon has learnt to stay away from that more dangerous part of space. He now only gets two rolls on the relevant tables. Um, history of violence, easily accessible locations. Special weapons is available as general skills. So that is one of the tables I'm going to roll on because I really want to get it now that I've got one. And then... I'll roll to see which other table I roll on, and then I'm going to roll on special techniques as well. Firstly, general skills. I've rolled a four. That is heavy weapons. Again, broadening out, but not specialising. And then what did I say? Um, special techniques. Two, combat acuity. I'm going to have to look that up, see what it does. Yeah, looking in the special techniques, two-weapon use was pretty self-explanatory. The Strontium Dog is able to use two handguns or melee weapons simultaneously without any penalties, and on the same action, as long as he's aiming at the same target. There are penalties if he wants to aim at different targets, but he can. And then combat acuity is really good. The Strontium Dog is adept at reading the nuances of a tactical situation and greatly improves his chances of reacting first in a combat environment. He rolls initiative on 3d6 rather than 2d6. That's pretty good. That represents him probably catching you out when you're not expecting it. He grabs you with that strangely placed arm and pulls you over with his formidable strength. What remains to be done? In the last term, we've got a survival roll. The difficulty is only six this time, but we're at minus two. We roll, yeah, we fail. We roll a natural four. So again, so no life events have happened for Legs Lacan. It's all been disasters. It's been mishaps all the way, but they've not been terrible mishaps. So we roll 2d6 on the mishap table. We've got nine. A fugitive you are pursuing continually outwits you and murders at every opportunity. Gain an enemy and minus two difficulty to your benefit roll for this turn. I was going to say difficulty DM. I think it's just dice modifier. But anyway, I'm going to go for other benefit, 
rolling a d6 at minus two we've got five goes down to three gets a weapon um, i'm hoping there that i can choose an exotic melee weapon like an electro nux or something like that uh, what other exotic melee weapons are there strontium dog had some pretty iconic weapons on the exotic list oh there are various combi weapons um, the variable cartridge blaster Johnny Alpha was always able to call the type of of cartridge that he wanted much like Judge Dredd did oh yeah there's the happy stick Wolf Sternhammer had the happy stick um, there's also a Laz whip pocket nuke pulse bomb definitely going to go for an electro nux um, a large insulated band that fits across the knuckles generates an electrical field that radiates 30 centimeters in a 150 degree arc from the field generator 20,000 volts which is enough to stun most human opponents so yeah if you are a criminal with a bounty on you beware legs lacon if he doesn't get you <laughs> with that with that surprising ankle hand <laughs> then he's going to stun you with his electronux instead you have been warned uh, catch you on friday on fridays i'm going to be generally yeah, as i say i'm doing something different now so on mondays i'll be gather, gathering my reviews together reviews are going to be on mondays wednesday going to be random table business and then on friday i'll be responding to what's going on in anchor or in the broader rpg community so uh yeah catch you soon bye bye